Yo, 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 what's going on, you guys? This is your favorite video game podcast. This is your host, Brandon. And this is Blake. And we're coming at you with the 71st episode here. And we got some pretty good topics lined up for you guys here. We're going to go down memory lane, if you will. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have talk about some topics today. I mean, I feel like recently we've just been bringing a lot of games to the show. But today's going to be more discussion-based because we had some... Had some good ideas kind of pop into our brain, so let's just get right into those and then we'll talk about a game later in the episode. But this topic kind of came about just because I discovered a new way to use my Steam Deck, and I think we'll talk about that later, but I just thought it would be a good time to like talk about like our thoughts and the history of like dedicated handhelds and peripherals that are kind of associated with different consoles. So, for example, like the Nintendo DS, now that kind of was out at the same time as the Wii, and one was a handheld, one was kind of a console, and then you have like the PSP and the PS Vita, and how they kind of complemented, you know, PlayStation 2, PlayStation 3, and then now, you know, they had VR, PlayStation VR for PlayStation 4, and they just released VR, VR, PlayStation VR 2 for the PlayStation 5, so... Kind of just wanted to touch on maybe how that's changed over the years and kind of what our thoughts are on all of those. So I guess just first off, Brandon, let's start with Nintendo because that one might be an easier one to kind of just ease us into. So they used to kind of split their devices, right? Like they had like the Wii, the DS, they had this Game Boy Advance and GameCube and I think there are a couple others as well. I think like Wii U and 3DS and I think the 3DS actually went all the way up into the Switch, and that kind of, you know, was kind of the end of that. And I guess they had, like, the SNES and the Game Boy as well all the way back back when. But they kind of ended that, and instead of having two different devices, they kind of merged them together with the Switch. And I kind of just wanted to ask, like, do you like the combination? Do you miss the dedicated handhelds? Which dedicated handhelds? did you have like what were your favorite aspects of those well i guess to answer your first question i do enjoy the combination of being able to have access to multiple handheld libraries on my switch you know it's just seamless to be able to go from an snes game to a nintendo 64 game Mm -hmm. you know it's something i never thought possible and i used to you know have a GameCube. I used to have a DS. I used to have a what is it, a little Game Boy Advance. Mm-hmm. And it would have been nice to be able to still hold on to my libraries from all of those consoles. And it seems like not yet, but it seems like the Switch will become a successful port for all of those libraries. And yeah, I kind of like a hub. Yeah, and I'm comfortable with that medium of you know using my Switch to simulate these games. But I, I will say there's definitely something to just bringing out the good old 3DS, which I have charging behind me because I want you to show me how to purchase those games. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a sec. But by the time this episode comes out, you know the 3DS eShop is is going to be closed. Yep. And I think we're going to cover just a couple of those games just as an homage, but. Yeah, there's definitely something to being on the native, like, 
instrument, for lack of a better word, that this game was designed to run on. Yeah, right? absolutely. You know, I mean, especially with the DS, there's a lot of intentionality there because there's two screens and a lot of other... I think it's very unique because it has two screens. You know, anything from old PC games of the 90s to the, the PlayStation 5, you know, a lot of them are only developed for one screen. So it has some charm and some uniqueness. For sure. And the developers know that, right? And they kind of add things to these games to embellish that fact. Like some of my favorite memories on my 3DS are those features on those games. Like, for example, I think about Pokemon Heart Gold and having like the pokey the poketch can't remember exactly what it was called but you can see on the yeah, bottom i think it was something like that you can see on the bottom like different you know features just having that second screen and then you know playing the game and you know it's full effect on the top screen it's just something that's hard to like fully appreciate on the switch when it's being like you know kind of they're trying to simulate that, but they can never truly make you feel that experience. You know what I mean? Like, I, Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I played that experience on, you know, what it was meant to be played on. And then, you know, it'll never be the same on the Switch, but it's still really, really nice to have access to. Yeah, yeah. Heart Gold and Soul Silver, that's an interesting one, you know, because it was originally designed for the Game Boy Color, which also had one screen. And I actually... You know, I have a Game Boy Color and I have the actual cartridge and I picked it up the other day because I had to replace the battery inside of the cartridge, but I played it a little bit and I just thought it was so interesting going back because on the, I was also kind of playing Hard Gold at the time and with the DS version, all the menus and the map and all of that is really, you know, located on the bottom screen now, whereas before it was kind of a complex menu system you have to hit the start go into your bag hit the men or hit the map and then you can see the map you know whereas it's also easier as you can just kind of touch the bottom screen you know and and find the iconography that it's associated with the map and it kind of makes it the gameplay more seamless but it also kind of you know kind of just adds to the immersion because it feels better like it feels more adapted and I guess, you know, going right to another Pokemon game, just as an example, we have, you know, the Diamond and Pearl remakes and the original Diamond and Pearl games, which were on the, the DS. And I think we both really appreciated both of those. How do you think that they adapted that second screen to the Switch? Like now that we've had it for a while, we've, yeah. we've kind of, you know, had some time to think about it, let it settle in. How do you feel about that? You know, that's a good question because when I was explaining the heart gold and soul silver and how it's not the same if it were to be simulated on the switch that's kind of what i had in mind was the diamond and pearl remakes right because those were trying they were trying to simulate that feeling of having those two screens and they did do a good job of making it seamless and the quality of life didn't really feel it wasn't bad so to say they got the job done but you know i think if you had never played the originals, I think it would feel weird holding down a bumper to pull up like a whole nother set of menus when you can hit Y and there's already a set of menus. Because right. it kind of almost looks like when you adapt it to the Switch, instead of it being the touchscreen 
which I guess the Switch is a touchscreen. You can tap it, but it, it kind of just feels, I don't know, it just feels different. It doesn't necessarily feel connected. Yeah, and that's also a really good point to highlight is if you come into that experience of the remake, a lot of things kind of make you know sense, so to say, because it was truly, the creators were trying to encapsulate that emotion that we got playing through the Sinnoh region the first time. And there were a lot of homages to the Sinnoh region and playing it on that DS experience. There's also a lot of functionality too. I mean, the bottom screen, you know, it was not extremely useful. You know, I don't think it necessarily made the best use of the bottom screen, but it definitely had features and uses and without those features, they, they would be missed. And I mean, it was very functional and it added to the experience. You know, I mean, you could see if one of your Pokemon had laid an egg, for example, yep. or you could count your steps. I mean, it did add some some features and functionality. And it kind of, just because it was designed that way, I think it would have felt weird not to have it incorporated in like another screen, you know, as opposed to being organically added to a single screen game. I definitely agree with that. I had a question pop up, but I'm losing my train of thought. Darn it. It's okay, man. It happens sometimes. <laughs> and they go. <laughs> it's a great question. Well, maybe it'll come back to you. Yeah. Can you think of any other DS games that you felt like really used the bottom screen well? This wasn't a game, so to say, but the Picto Chat. Do you remember yeah. using the mm -hmm. Picto Chat? That was a really good use of that two screen system. You, know, just yeah, being, you could like write messages and send them. Yeah, and then just like. Did you use that in school? I used to use that all the time in school. <laughs> it was really fun to <laughs> just bring my DS and have it like a little local picto chat lobby with my classmates, and we would just, you know, send each other messages, draw little things. And what else? What else in the DS felt really good with that two screen system? I was playing one of the earlier Mario games on my DS, mm -hmm. and that felt really seamless. You know, just having those two screens. The bottom, you could just see, like, the map. The top one, you're just you know, playing through the Mario world. But you could kind of see the path that was laid out in the bottom, and you could just, like, easily reference while you're playing, like, what world you're in and what you're doing. Two screens is better than one, I think it's safe to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think Mario Kart really did a good job with that. And I think it also really utilized like the handheld nature of it and, you know, kind of the technology of the times. Like I remember getting on the bus going to school and just like kind of sitting there and I had a, a friend that was on like the same bus route as as us and kinda of open up our DSs and we just be able to even if only one of us had the cartridge we'd both be able to play multiplayer mario kart and on the top was mario kart and on the bottom screen was the map and it really made the map very readable as opposed to just kind of just being like a translucent map on the side which a lot of mario karts have yeah you know being on the bottom screen it was really cool i don't remember if it showed like items coming in or anything like that i haven't played it in a while but I do remember that as kind of like a core memory and also like it's just cool that they added that you know technology and functionality to do wireless multiplayer 
you know, with the DSs, and I thought that was really cool. The multiplayer was really well done on the DS, and I feel like that's an iteration from the Game Boy Advance that I feel the only way you could play multiplayer on that was through the cable. That cord, yeah. The link cord. cable. <laughs> yeah. And I still remember having Pokemon battles with that link cable. You know, just having to connect to the other GBA and then having a good old battle or trading. It's so interesting how technology can give us these memories and just take us back to like a period in time. Yeah. The other day at work, this reminds me, someone was telling me, like, they were like, oh, I was waiting to print a label and the UPS guy is like, oh, we just, we have to wait for you to dial up or to dial in or something like that. And I was like, I didn't get the reference because I was like, wait, to dial in? Like, what is he talking about? But apparently that's something that you used to have to do in order to get internet access, right? You had to like- I remember this. I had dial up. Some of my first (laughs) memories (laughs) of the internet are on dial up. So essentially it's like a cable, but it was like your telephone cable. It's actually, it's very similar to how like the ethernet ports look Mm -hmm. and it, it was kind of a, it was a cord like that and it would go into your wall, but it was set up by the phone company and it kind of, it went through the phone line. So like if you had a Comcast phone line, you'd also have Comcast dial up and it would go through the same line. So you couldn't use the phone at the same time you were on the internet because it used the same line. Yeah. And it was like you dialed. I think that's why I was like called dial up because you're kind of dialing with the phone line to get to the internet. Man, I haven't thought about that in forever, man. I had like a, <laughs> I had like a Tonka. So I don't even know what kind of video game it was. It was something where it was like, it was like this plastic piece and it would lock onto the keyboard of a computer and it had like different levers. <laughs> and, oh my gosh. And, I'm really trying to to pull this from the annals of my my mind here, <laughs> but it had like <laughs> levers and buttons, and they would press down on this like plastic, I guess like mold, and then it would push the buttons on the keyboard, yeah. And that would, I think there was like some kind of online thing to it as well. That's really good design. Oh like, my god! I'm thinking. <laughs> Let me see if I can find. When this. you say that, I hear like an accessory for a game, like a racing yeah. game or something. But it seems like they were able to integrate with just your regular keyboard, which is really fascinating. I'm curious to see how that looked. Ooh, I don't know if I'll be able to find this. This is my, <laughs> this might be. Oh my gosh, it's digging rigs, Tonka digging rigs. No way, that's it, right? Let's see. Yep, I see it. Oh my gosh, it's it. It had like a, it had a steering wheel. Oh my gosh, I see like the strap, and it like you had to like strap it. To the keyboard. Oh, man. Apparently, you can still buy it. I could still buy it. That's hilarious. (laughs) I love this thing. This is the game that I associate with that era. Wow, I haven't thought about this in years. Anyways. (laughs) (laughs) Now that we're in the future, how do you feel that the Switch has kind of, you know, revolutionized this? You know, because the Switch was the first time they didn't have dedicated handheld and a system and they kind of combined the two and i think you know for me personally i absolutely love being able to play something on my tv and then take it right out of the dock and play it on the couch or in bed and you know the functionality that it it can be a handheld but it can also be your console 
I guess, which one do you think? Do you think it has like the energy of a console more or the energy of a handheld more? And I guess, how do you feel that's kind of changed your, your view on it? Man, you really got some good questions today, Blake. <laughs> I think it's, you know, in its effort to do the two things, to be that console that can be on the big screen or to be that handheld that you can take with you to work or wherever you're going, it's kind of lost a bit of that, like, native... I want to say, like... I'm thinking about Pokemon Coliseum, right, on the GameCube. Mm -hmm. That was such a good experience, and I had to play it on the big screen. There was no choice, right? But it could Mm -hmm. just be the lack of choice that made me enjoy that game so much. But it was really good, and I can't think that I would have enjoyed that as much if it were also... If I had the access to, like, handheld that game. Mm-hmm. Do you get what I'm trying to say? I feel like I do get what you're trying to say. This like just because you couldn't play it in handheld, it made it a much grander experience. Exactly, and like it was an experience designed for that specific console. And I feel like on the Switch, it's great that I can put it, use it for both things. But I find myself leaning more towards the handheld side of the Switch. Well, that's funny. I do as well. I play most of my things handheld. And that, that could just be me. There might mm-hmm. be other Switch users that you know are on the opposite side or they really don't see the difference. They play it both you know, just as much. You know, I think there's a, the whole spectrum of Switch players from everybody yeah. that I've talked to in my life. Everybody's different with it. Yeah, but I'm thinking about what are some new Switch titles like Breath of the Wild. Could Breath of the Wild have been a better game if there were a Nintendo hardware station, you know, let's say something that competes with like the PS5, right? But for Nintendo, what could we have, right? right? As far as Nintendo titles. Well, what if it was up to you, Brandon, and you could pick either we have like a more powerful Nintendo console that can compete with the PS5 and the Xbox Series S, and like it would run Breath of the Wild, we get better games, you know, that could, or more graph, maybe not better games, but games that looked better, you know, or more graphically intensive, or, you know, we have the Switch. You got to kill one. You can only have one. Which one would you pick? I'm going to go with the Switch. You know, it has, it's earned its place in the market and no one is making the Switch move. I mean, the Steam Deck is giving the Switch a good run for its money, but. But you know, the Steam Deck, I don't think would have existed without the Switch. That's you know, interesting. It, Why do you think that? It really kind of, you know, when I have it, I mean, I have it in my hands, right? And I kind of just feel like it made it better. But we've, you know, the Switch came out like five years ago. Yep. And there has been no iteration. And it was the first one to kind of do what it did. You know, it's kind of the middle ground between a console and a handheld. I mean, I said it when I first got my hands on the Steam Deck. It just feels so much better in your hands. And, you know, I mean, it doesn't necessarily have exclusives. I mean, it can run anything on the Steam Store, which is probably the biggest library, arguably. So I guess it does have exclusives, but I can't put it in my pocket. It is kind of a dedicated handheld, but it's kind of meant for you and your home. I wouldn't necessarily take my Steam Deck out on the bus. And, you know, I guess that's something that also the Switch... You can't put the Switch in your pocket either. Right. And, you know, I think that it kind of compromised being a handheld and it compromised being 
like a standalone system. Like it's not as powerful. It is portable. You can't fit it in your pocket like you could with the Game Boy or the DS, but you can still take it on the go. You can still play it on the plane. You can still play it on Amtrak. You could yeah. play it on like the bus or in the back of a car, but you have to kind of have like a case or, I mean, most of the time, you know, kids have bags. I mean, it's not uncommon, you know, just because everybody goes to school. It's not uncommon to carry something around that's of this size with you, but it does kind of compromise on like the pure portability of it. And I think that hadn't been done before. I mean, like I said, like the DS and the Game Boy, they could all fit in your pocket. You know, the PSP, PS Vita, which we'll talk about in a second, those could fit in your pocket. And I think it is like a dedicated handheld, like the Steam Deck, but it wouldn't, I don't think it ever would have succeeded without the Switch. The Switch kind of did it first. And it made people see that, oh yeah, you can have, you know, a handheld that's meant to be handheld, but it's meant to be you know, a larger, grander experience. I mean, if you look at the Game Boy screen compared to the Steam Deck screen, you could fit like six of them in there. You know, yep. in essence, that makes it grand. And, or at least, you know, a better playing experience in today. And, you know, I can throw it up on my TV or my desk monitor. So I don't think it ever would have been conceived without the Switch. Do you think it kind of picks up where the switch falls short as a handheld because i mean it essentially absolutely i mean like <laughs> the joy cons man they're not i mean maybe some people find them comfortable but you know i'm playing a couple of games on my steam deck right now and i'm also playing some games on my switch and when i go back i mean the steam deck is at least two or three times heavier than the switch which you would think would affect how you would play and the length of play. But when I go back to the Switch, I'm like, oh, this is lighter. But then I'm like, man, it just is a pain to hold because it's flat. The ergonomics of holding it are kind of uncomfortable because, you know, our hands are not really designed to grab things that are flat. They're, we grab things that are spherical, you know, can take all kinds of shapes. So I would like a little bit more like grips and contours and you can buy grips and whatnot for the Switch, but I wish I didn't feel the need to do that. Mm-hmm. And if you do buy one of those grips, it kind of takes away the functionality, you know, of slipping it into a dock. You do kind of need to take it out for some... I feel like I lost the question. What was the original question there? <laughs> Does the Steam Deck pick up where the Switch falls oh. short? Yeah, so I guess in terms of ergonomics, it does. It doesn't have an OLED screen, which, you know, something that the new Switch models do have. I personally have never used an OLED screen, so I can't really kind of say where the differences are there. But I mean, Brandon, do you want to speak to that at all? Do you think that the OLED is that much better? I mean, I guess you've kind of said that you think it is. Than the Steam Deck? Or no, 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 just like the normal Switch screen. Like, do you think the OLED's a huge step up? Yeah, yeah, it definitely, I mean, I wouldn't say it's a huge step up, but it's a noticeable difference. I definitely, as a person who still has both Switches and can still... See them side by side? Yeah, I still sometimes, like, look at what my little sister is playing and just, like, go through the Switch, see what's in the library, my old library. I'm looking at both of the screens. I can tell that... The OLED is, you know, maybe one and a half times larger. Okay, so um, it is a bit bigger too. Yeah, but 
but it still has that same feel of like that slimness and yeah you know i do kind of like the slimness to it but it now that i also have like another option it's, it's not as comfortable but the novelty of it being slim is cool it's never been comfortable for me honestly just the overall like how slim the switch is like when i'm playing it for a while i'm just like uh, it's kind of just feels weird that's why mm-hmm. sometimes i'll mainly even if i'm at home i'll use my case to like hold it because it's just like oh that's man that's crazy to me he's holding up his like travel case right now <laughs> i mean like he has big hands so i guess like that makes sense that you would keep it oh man that's nuts i'm sorry i yeah, think that's a psycho move brandon really just play <laughs> i mean yeah it's you know no hey like if it's I more like. comfortable for you <laughs> yeah no exactly. i mean like truly i mean like the switches it's only a couple inches thick it's really not comfortable to hold if you have big hands long term i feel like you know it's yeah. never really an issue if you're playing for you know 20 30 minutes but if you're sitting yeah. there for an hour two hours you you'll definitely yeah, start some of those longer it. play sessions yeah that's why they have that functionality i feel like of being able to just sit it up and you can like take off the, the dock like when i'm using the joy cons it feels totally fine it's just like mm-hmm. easier to grip but when it's, it's something about holding the switch flat like this wide thing yeah it just throws yeah. me off a little bit i don't know could yeah, no, just be a me thing no, I get what you're saying. I mean, it's not comfortable. And I do have like a set of off-brand Joy-Cons that do have some contours to them. So so maybe you could try that or like a grip or something. Yeah, I have one. This right here. Yeah. Yeah, he's holding one up. So. Really nice. And this comes, mm-hmm. I think this comes with your, your Switch. Yeah. You know, that's really good. I bought the Mario Pro Controller. Love that. So I guess I'm just mm-hmm. spoiled, Blake. I'm just spoiled with the ergonomic controls on my Switch. I'm just... I want to play. Yeah, I got the Pro Controller as well. The Pro Controller is amazing. I love that for yeah. certain games, especially Smash Brothers. Yeah, that's really awesome that you have that ability. You know, you can have... I think it's a, a nice option too because, I mean, although the Joy-Cons are really tiny, they turn into two controllers. Yeah. You know, so if you are all of a sudden... <laughs> I feel like in the videos and like in the ads for the Switch, they were like, oh, <laughs> take the Joy-Cons off and you and two other people can play. And they kind of make it like a very cinematic event in the trailers. But I have actually done that. I think I was on a plane with my girlfriend and I think we played some Mario Kart. And maybe I'm misremembering that. But I definitely have done it in you know a public space where it's like, oh, I was just playing. Oh, the two of us can play right now. And, you know, just take the Joy-Cons off. Like, I do like that. I was also on a plane. They had, like, one of those ledges for your phones or, like, an iPad. Like, that's, like, in front of your face. I set my Switch on the ledge, and I have, like, my hands in my lap with my Joy-Cons. So that is cool that you have that kind of functionality to where the screen can be separated from the controls. I do like that. That does feel really nice. It feels like a little monitor. Yeah, know? it makes it a little adaptable. Yep. And I feel like that's what they were going for, the Switch. Like, the intention was really, like, a console that you could play in many different ways. And then take with you, even if it can't fit in your pocket, that you can take with you anywhere. Yep. All right. Well, let me ask you this, and then we'll move on to another system and other handhelds. If you had to pick, what's your definitive take? Do you want the Switch again, or do you want a console and a dedicated handheld? I think... I've pretty much made up my mind, so I'll go first. I kind of, I do miss the dedicated handhelds. 
But, you know, I think that other companies are doing it and filling in those holes. There's a company called Playdate, which is making, you know, a little handheld device that has like a crank on it. Obviously, Valve is making the Steam Deck. I think that Nintendo really hit something with the Switch. And I think that I wouldn't like to go back to having, you know, a dedicated handheld and a console system. I think I'd prefer for it to be, you know, maybe a more powerful version of the Switch. Now, what it's called, if it's a Switch 2 or if it's, they keep the Switch name and however Nintendo names it, I think I would like to see the kind of Switch idea move forward. I'm thinking, you know, I thought about it and it would be nice to have, and this, I could be giving Nintendo free game right here, but <laughs> if they could have like a Nintendo dock station, right? Like a bigger, like a, think of like a PS5, but for Nintendo mm-hmm. and then an accessory that you can buy that is kind of like the switch that you can then add you can kind of like put onto your your dock if you will your bigger console combine the two so are you saying like you have switch like as it exists today and then your dock has computing power so when you put it into the dock it has more maybe it has its own gpu in the dock or maybe its own ssd or whatever and, and it becomes something different when you put it into the dock yeah they combine to become a more powerful console that you can then you know do remote play from but for nintendo titles and then you could just have your powerful you know nintendo console that runs on a screen now if they did that do you think they would have titles that released just for it in handheld just in docked mode or would it be you can play it docked mode and you can play a handheld, but it's a compromised experience when you're playing it in handheld. Or can you think of another way? I would say the latter. I would say the latter. I would definitely would say it would be in their best interest to make titles just for that more intense computing power. Be able to like make some Nintendo titles that you know I feel could become classics, right? If they really use some more power, they could probably tell a better story have some more features in the games. It'd be really fun. Let me ask you this, because I kind of feel like they already do that with what they have. You know, I think Breath of the Wild is one of the best games that's been made in, in a while. We can keep it simple. But, you know, you also, you made it further into Elden Ring than you did Breath of the Wild. So do you feel like, for you as a gamer, that you just kind of bounce once you kind of bump against the edges of, Nintendo and you kind of start to see the frame rate drop you see the pop in do you feel like you bounce because of those kind of issues I wouldn't say it's because of those kind of issues I feel like it just kind of is not my preferred medium to play like I would prefer to play on a bigger screen I just don't have you know the time to do so and so Mm -hmm. I find myself playing more on the handheld with my switch and then you know sometimes I'm just kind of discouraged by being on the handheld and not getting the same experience as being on the bigger screen. Well, you could just plop it right in and change that. Are you just, I guess, is that coming from you have the Switch with you when you're out? So it's like, you know, the best console you have is the one that you have with you and you play that by default. And then when you have other options, you know, even though you could play the Switch on the bigger screen, you're just drawn to the PS5, which is also on the bigger screen. Yeah, exactly. Just because it looks nicer, there are more variety of titles. It runs games. It goes deeper 
the games go deeper. Like, I'm thinking, like, I don't want to make any, like, messed up comparisons here, but I'm thinking, like... <laughs> Just say it, man. This is our pod, dude. <laughs> they might come at you in the comments <laughs> Brandon Prince, his name might be Mud, but... Yeah, I'm thinking it, about the difference between running Skyrim on my PS5 versus running it on my Switch. Yeah, yeah, there's no comparison. It, the Switch really can't really do it. I mean, it's a it totally can, but it's just not... Yeah, it's just not on the same level. Yeah, it's really not. And I've ran into that issue with my Switch where I'm like, oh, this title's amazing. Like, I love this title. I'd love to play it on the go. And then I'm like, oh, I don't I don't want to do that. Not on the go. <laughs> you just don't want to do it to yourself. No, I don't want to. Because I've had that experience... In a different medium, that's just that much more enjoyable. It's not, to me, I'm not getting yeah. the same dopamine rush, if you will. So. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting because just on this, the handheld, it has a different resolution than when it's on in docked mode. So when the Switch, when it's in handheld, it's in 720p. So it does have less I mean, it does have less fidelity. Is that with the 720p? That's fidelity, right? Here, let me let me look. I'm. It's getting a little late. I feel like I got to use the right word. <laughs> okay, I don't know why my brain did this. Okay, so <laughs> the 720p is the resolution, right? Yeah. And the 1080p is the resolution. I think I said that, and then I think my brain futzed out. Fidelity <laughs> of games as a concept describes a level of representation of or accordance with reality. The level of fidelity has influence on the interaction between player and game. It's the resolution, though. It's not the fidelity, I apologize. Yeah, I'm seeing, like, fidelity in regards to PS5. You're talking about being able to use 4K visuals with a 30 frame per second target frame rate. Okay, all right. <laughs> so the resolution is the number of pixels that are displayed per inch for an image. So, for example, if you're in 720p, it has less pixels per inch than if you were in 1080p. So if you're in handheld, just because like of the nature of the resolution, it has less picture quality. Mm -hmm. And then when you put it in docked mode, it does have better picture quality in the resolution because there are more pixels, which I think is what the P stands for, which is pixels. So 720 pixels per inch, and 1,080 pixels per inch, which 4K, as it turns out, is 4,000 per inch. <laughs> so Damn. It is a big, a big upgrade. And you can kind of see if you Google it, it does kind of show you what an image looks like in 720p. or an It's an approximation of what the same image looks like in the different resolutions. So. Wait, those are some tiny pixels to fit 4,000 in one inch. Yeah, but it leads to clearer picture quality. So when you are playing in handheld, you are kind of playing it at a, a muted experience, but you also, I think it is more clear, whereas because there's, now I don't know, I'm not an expert on this, but I think because it is, there are less pixels, it makes the edges more defined. Mm. That's what I think. I'm not sure, but that's my, that is my thoughts on that. So now, does your monitor that you have, can it do 4K? It doesn't, but it's a curved monitor, and it's just like, I love the way 
feels on my eye. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, I mean, maybe you should do the benchmark this upcoming week and see if you do maybe do like one game in handheld and then just take it, put it right in dock mode and see it on your monitor and see which one you actually prefer, you know. If you were going to do like a pixel game, you know, eSword would be a great way to test it. Yep. And you could go Breath of the Wild too. And I love playing Breath of the Wild in my monitor. Yeah, that's that's how I played a lot. Pokemon as well, like the newer Pokemons. Mm-hmm. So they do a lot of, you know, visual stuff. What else? It plays really well on the monitor. I really like playing Mario Kart on the monitor. I think that's a good one. Yeah, Mario Kart's a good one to just have like on that close experience super smash bros is a really good one to have on that experience mm-hmm. minecraft runs really really well on the switch mm-hmm. yeah i'm noticing now that i'm thinking about my library the majority of the games that i pick up i do play specifically to play in handheld because i'm like oh i could buy this on different platforms but i i would prefer to buy this on the switch where i can play it in handheld since i got the steam deck i have been buying them on Steam Deck just because one it's cheaper and there's more sales and it just has more processing power and it's a beefier device so it can run them a little bit better but generally for the indie games that I'm picking up to play in handheld that the performance isn't gonna vary all that much but it might a little bit yep but let's move on to our I guess the next I guess consoles that we are gonna talk about did you ever have like a PlayStation Portable or PlayStation Vita? I did. I had both the PSP and the PS Vita. Funny story about my PS Vita. I used to take that to elementary school, and one time it got <laughs> stolen. And oh no! It's actually a really funny story of how I got it back. But you did get it back. Yeah, I was just a really smart kid. Basically, I figured out who had stolen it. Someone in the class told me. Like, oh, I kind of saw them put something in their bag. that, And then I basically just, like, everyone was gathered around me. They were, like, kind of like, oh, why are you so upset? Like, it was like, yeah, I lost my PS Vita, but it's all right because my mom has a locator on it and she can find exactly where the PS Vita is at. And the people who stole it were kind of scared and they gave it back to me at school the next day. So it's crazy yeah, that you I was, got like, I was you able got to like think of that solution at such a young age, but it's a funny story. Good thing they didn't call you on that bluff, man. Dude, the PS Vita was so small; it was like <laughs> it was like literally smaller than my iPhone, you know, fourteen. But it was a really small console for the time, and it was really fun. I can't remember exactly. I think I had like Need for Speed. I might have had Final Fantasy, Ratchet and Clank. Do you remember this one as fondly as you do with some like your other Nintendo handhelds from the time? I do. I definitely do because that was kind of my introduction to the PlayStation library. Mm-hmm. And before that, I'd never really had access to it except for when I would borrow my uncle's PlayStation. I mean, his my uncle's PSP. So it was nice to have my own little like PSP that was even smaller and more portable. And it was such a just cool little system, too. Like, the buttons. Yeah, the, the buttons felt really good. The bumpers felt really good. Like, the slide-up mm-hmm. feature. It kind of made me think I had a sidekick. 
which at the time I really wanted a sidekick, but I was also like, <laughs> I was also like seven years old and had no reason to have a sidekick, but a superhero Brandon. <laughs> I saw my older cousins with it, and I just really wanted one. That's funny, superhero Brandon. <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about, right? Like you remember the sidekick, right? Those are like the phones, right? Remind me yeah, of else? the phones that would like just pop up like that, and I think you could use MySpace on them. <laughs> is that what you wanted it for oh yeah i remember these they just yeah. oh so did you have the psp that slid up yeah oh man that is cool what was that called? that one is called the ps vita if i'm not mistaken i'm pretty sure the vita oh hold on i gotta look this up because i don't know oh okay it's not the ps vita it's the ps i think go. the ps go the psp go okay yes that was yeah. yeah and it just flipped up yeah that one's really cool yeah, I had just the regular PSP, but I never had the Vita either. Did you ever get that one? No, I never had the Vita. I only had the regular PSP and the PSP Go. Sorry okay. for that. No, you're good. Here, I think the PSP Vita came out a couple years later. So Okay, so the PSP Vita released in 2011, and the PSP originally released in 2005. So that's, you know, six years later, you know, they released another handheld. And I just think it's interesting because I had the PSP. I never really played anything on it. I had all kinds of games. And I guess I played like Medal of Honor. I would say that was probably my most played game on the PSP. Which is kind of just like a Call of Duty knockoff shooter. But I never really felt like it captured me. I never really felt like I got the most out of it. I never felt, you know, super connected to any of the games that were on it. And I just kind of always felt like it was a little bit of a letdown, personally. So, I mean, you don't feel that way, though, just because it was your first time experiencing the PlayStation library? Yeah, it was my first time experiencing that. And also, I remember my uncle had a PSP, but he never wanted to share it with me. Because <laughs> he, he was afraid I would break it. And I probably would have. I was a very, like destructive as a kid like anything i got my hands <laughs> on i would just break find a way to break it somehow and i'd be confused as to how i broke it but i would watch him play on the playstation a lot and sometimes we'd play on the playstation together and that's how i started playing like midnight club some other titles on the playstation i can't really remember it was so far back ps2 mm -hmm. and i wanted a playstation so bad i used to like when my uncle was playing and I couldn't play with him, I used to take like a, a remote and then just like pretend I was playing along, even though I wasn't. <laughs> so when I got my own PlayStation, man, it was just like, damn, like I have, my, game over, man. I have my own little PlayStation. It was tiny, but it still got the job done for me. You know, I was playing yeah. all the games that I, I really wanted, all the newer titles that they had at that time. So it was really, yeah. it was really fun. Yeah, I guess for me personally, I kind of felt like it never really, I don't know, just never really kind of lived up to the same level that like the console games were. Because I guess I had a PlayStation 2 before I got my Vita, or not Vita, before I got my PSP. So I had kind of like experienced like the Ratchet and Clank games and like yeah, an experience. Swing. Yeah, I had experienced some of those. And then when I got the handheld, I just kind of felt like it was just a little bit lesser than and like they were making like just like a smaller compromised version of what i had played on the playstation 2. so 
I guess that for me, I did, that's just kind of how I felt about it. So I'm glad to hear that you had a different experience and that you, yeah. you know, that was your way into those kind of games and those kind of PlayStation experiences. So, yeah, that's interesting. I could definitely see myself also being kind of jaded by being on the smaller little PSP Go. At that time, the pic- it must have ran like, what, like 480p? <laughs> Who <laughs> like, knows? Like 720 at best. Down. Like, it must not have been running very much. <laughs> yeah, it says one gigabyte. This is 4, 480. Oh, God. <laughs> 480 by 7, or by 272. So that's not even... 360p. That sounds like 360p. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> 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 so I can see you with it. You had the bigger... It's like the Switch again, like... Playing on that bigger screen just really does make the difference sometimes. You know, a game back to the Switch, and I hate them doing that because now we're on the PSP, but hey, that's okay. Man. Animal Crossing is mm-hmm. one of those titles where I feel that difference. I'm like, damn, this game is so much nicer on a big screen. Mm. And I could definitely see that for like a ratcheting plank or a need for speed, even like need for speed hot pursuit on the big screen versus my PSP Go, it's just, it's unmatched, you know? Yeah. The audio was something that I actually do remember just being like, damn, this is, this is bad. I need a headphone. (laughs) (laughs) The speakers on them were like terrible. I I had to use like headphones. I actually don't know if I remember that, but. Yeah, I was just like, no. Cause I would spend hours on that thing. So, you know, eventually I'd be like, damn, I need some headphones. Yeah, I think they didn't they sell the headphones where it's like you just had like they were like circles and they kind of like went over your ears. Do you remember those? I don't. Where, I don't oh man, those. here let me see if I can pull up a picture of these. Well, was this specifically for the Go? It was for the PSP. I cause man, I think is it they were kind of like earbuds, right? I did find a picture of them, but yeah, they're kind of like earbuds, but they. Oh man. Oh, are they the white in ear ones? Yeah, they're not in-ear. They're kind of like earbuds, but they go like over the ear. I feel like I'm not describing them very well. But they were like very circular, and they kind of have like... You know how in like the early Beats by Dr. Dre, they had like the thing that went over the ear, that like piece of silicon? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, they kind of like the active ones or whatever. Yeah, it kind of like was like that active silicon band but then it was just like a well i found them the head, like a circular the like headset cast kind of just, was it a headset like did it have a mic too i think it did have a mic but there wasn't like the head the big the thing that goes over your head like the modern headset i see one now, and it has like a pretty bulky unit too like it wasn't yeah, like yeah. a yeah it's it actually a little, small it's actually a little <laughs> i'm looking at it, i'm like damn that looks a little much i mean it looks like i'm wearing an audit like you have my hearing is bad or something <laughs> <laughs> It does kind of look like that a bit. (laughs) But I guess, yeah, I mean, I enjoyed them for what they were, but I always felt more connected to the Nintendo handhelds. I felt like there was a little bit more, you know, intentionality with the games just because of like the two screens and whatnot. But, you know, there's also, or I guess before we move on, would you want PlayStation to make another handheld today? Because, you know, they've made kind of other peripherals like, you know, the PlayStation VR, PlayStation VR 2. Would you prefer, if it came down to it, to get a PlayStation VR or a PlayStation handheld? If it came down to it, I would prefer 
a company like Sony to go further into the VR space. But I do see the market could use a handheld version of a PS5, right? Like a competitor to a Steam Deck for a PlayStation library. That would be, I feel like, it could work. There's potential there. Well, Brandon, I guess I'll say this. I guess foreshadowing for the, our next topic. But I can play my entire PlayStation library on my Steam Deck via remote play. Damn. So I guess we could talk about it now. But, <laughs> but that I, puts it into perspective, man. Yeah, I mean, it did take me... I mean, I followed a guide. I got, you know, the remote play streaming set up on my Steam Deck. It took like 30 minutes. I did have to put some Python code into my terminal and that's awesome. i think i know what it was doing i'm a little bit lost conceptually did you just pull um, the script from like github or something yeah there was a guide it wasn't on github it was pretty simple i mean it was only like three lines of code and i i'm pretty sure i know what they were doing but i guess we can save it for maybe off the pod not to get too in the nitty-gritty but then i was able to add i needed to do that in order to help this program boot like the PlayStation Remote Play. And I think what it was doing is I think it was kind of signing me in to Remote Play via like a browser. And I think that that script is running to do that every time I boot it up. But I could be wrong. So now like if I want to, I can just kind of load up this app. And as long as I'm on the same network, I can play my PS5, my PlayStation 5 in handheld. And I was playing PlayStation 4 game last night via this remote play, which was... Actually, I was playing a really like high-intensity one. I was playing Black Ops Zombies, or Call of Duty Black Ops Zombies, Cold War, which was the newest zombies. Yep. And, you know, you really kind of do have to be... Let's say if there was some stuttering or if I lost connection, it would be the end of that. And I didn't have any kind of latency. I mean, I do have good Wi-Fi. So it truly was not a compromised experience whatsoever you know, playing in remote play. And, you know, you can also do remote play on your phone as well. So I guess, you know, the kind of the need for the handheld, I don't necessarily think is there. And, you know, with the Vita and the PSP, I mean, me personally, I felt like it never really lived up to it. But now via, you know, this remote play, I can play it on my phone or play it on my Steam Deck. And it's essentially the, the game. You know, I even tried one where I have the disc, the physical disc in the PS5, and it was able to load that as well. That's awesome. So I guess now with that in mind, do you think that they should make a handheld, or do you think they should continue on with the peripherals with the, the VR? I think they should continue with the, the remote play. I think it seems like they've invested a good amount of money into that. And it works well. You know, one of my coworkers was showing me not too long ago how he plays on his iPhone mm-hmm. and he even had bought like a whole like oh like one of those like controllers yeah, I think like there's a, like the backbone or something yes this exactly what it was called a backbone and he was showing me it and it was looking great like you know it looked like a little switch for the PlayStation right the screen on the iPhone works really well the iPhone has like an A6 chip which is super fast it's also got a great screen as well. Yeah, so it was it was impressive to see. I was like, that's awesome, you know, and didn't seem like it was a compromised experience for him at all. Now that I'm thinking about it, he might make a good guest to bring on the podcast. I'd love to pick his brain on the remote play experience and how it's been working out for him. 
but he was right yeah. he was recommending it to me and i was impressed but i was also like you know like i'd rather play my ps5 back at home not gonna lie like it's, mm-hmm. yeah it's just nothing beats that experience and i feel like i've kind of biased too i've always been a console gamer mm-hmm. to the point where i've thought about going to like pc and i stuck to the console yeah, it's just a pull factor there as far as like my friends and just what i'm used to but mm-hmm. it would make more sense to switch to the pc honestly when i think about money when i think about access to titles graphics even can mm-hmm. probably pull some better graphics with a good graphics card the monitor i already have the ps5 does a really good job on, on that front it does i was gonna say i do have a backbone if you want to borrow it we can do a whole episode on remote play if you'd like. <laughs> I guess maybe for another time. Yeah, it's a good idea. But so I guess before we, you know, kind of either move on to our next topic or end it up today, how do you feel about the price of the, the PlayStation VR? And, you know, we're both of us, you know, we're really interested in checking out VR, but there's still that huge, you know, price barrier for us to get into it. How do you feel about the new PlayStation VR console? It's $50 more than the PlayStation 5 to get the PlayStation VR 2 headset. So $550. But in order to run it, you have to have the PS5 as well. So that's like a $1,050 investment, you know, to be able to play these PlayStation VR 2 titles. How does that make you feel? Is that, is that like a good value proposition for you? You know, I mean, the MetaQuest is only like $400 and you don't have to be tethered to the console, which in order to run PlayStation VR 2, you have to have one cord from the headset to the, the PS5. I guess like, what are your thoughts on this? You know, we haven't really talked about VR in a while. Yeah, it's, you know, it's a new technology. It's still finding its way into the market and it's finding its place within the consumer space and I mean, I think it's slowly but surely earning it. You know, a lot of people are to the point where a lot of people are even afraid of the VR and, you know, just the power. I've tried it. There's nothing to be afraid of. (laughs) The power that it has to just encapsulate you in that space. I can see it being a lot more difficult. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. It's okay. (laughs) To step away from an experience because I'm like. I'm all the way into it. I'm just thinking about, I would use it for like just watching anime and in that headset. That'd be so cool to just like be playing my PlayStation, but I have it right here. And I don't know. I think it'd be a really, really cool experience. Is it worth the money? Nine times out of 10, I feel like it's not, right? Because <laughs> it probably costs like 50 bucks to put the thing together, but... You know, that's just what it is. But I can see myself doing it eventually, getting into the PS stuff. And it seems like they're making a lot of good progress. I was just looking at the VR2 right now and just seeing how the controller is, is shaped. It's, it looks very ergonomic, looks very futuristic. The, the headset seems pretty simple to use compared to other VR headsets that I've seen in the past. It's exciting. I might look into that for being like a Christmas present for myself this coming yeah. year. You know, it's a big expense, but could so definitely be worth it. So do you feel like it. Sony's done enough to sell you on it? 
Because, I mean, for me, I feel like I haven't really seen enough. I feel like I haven't seen that big, big reason to get it. Do you feel that way? They have not done anything to sell me on it, per se. I haven't haven't (laughs) seen much marketing for it. Yeah. Not that I need marketing to, like, find, to buy something. But I also, you know, it's a new technology, so I feel like there needs to be a pull to get on that new technology and typically within the gaming industry it's like oh there's this new title Elden Ring 2 right like it's only going to be on PS <laughs> it's only going to be on PSVR PSVR 2 oh my gosh could you imagine it's coming out this November you know You're I'm like exactly I'm like <laughs> I, I guess I text Blake I'm like I guess we need a VR headset now <laughs> like that hasn't happened yet but yeah, I think there is one single game that's a PlayStation VR 2 exclusive. I think that's like Horizon Call of the Mountain. And the reviews have been very mid. <laughs> I think about this anime I watched once called Sword Art Online. Yeah. Have you ever seen that one, Blake? Sword Art Online. I have not. There is there a manga too? There is a manga. It's really good. If there's an anime, there's a manga because they have to be... They also have... They take the stories a from PSP the books. Game. But Sword Art Online is based on that. It's a VR, but it goes too far where people get stuck in this VR world and they can never get out unless they like are the absolute winner. And if they have a Sword Art Online kind of experience, I would love to get my VR headset and, and get into that world. And to my understanding, there kind of already are some VR experiences like that. Well, you could get the PSP game for Sword Art Online for $23 on eBay. So there you go. You don't need a VR headset. You need a PSP. <laughs> That's Man, funny. Brandon. I've been Stone. slacking. Even... <laughs> Dude, I've been slacking. It's on the Switch, too. Oh, is it really? That's yeah. so funny. I guess we got to play that game. I couldn't tell for a second. It looked like he just wasn't going to respond to me. Like he wasn't going to say anything. I think he was interested in it. I think he was, I think he was just shocked that there was a Sword <laughs> Art Online video game. Oh, man. This doesn't... It looks like Dragon Quest, kind of, like the fighting mechanism. Well, hey, man. If you want to bring it to the show, I'll play it with you. This actually looks kind of cool. I'm not going to lie. Some of the enemies in this... Hey, maybe this could be a sleeper hit, man. It could be a sleeper, but dude, if they bring it in <laughs> VR, I'm all over that. That's the day. That's the day I'm pulling the trigger and I'm getting in the VR world, dude. And I already have thought about it, just being on my PlayStation, having that VR headset, just watching a good YouTube video in my headset. So do you think it's worth it for you to get the PlayStation 1 that can be integrated with your PlayStation, or do you think you would go the MetaQuest route? Like, let's say money wasn't an option. Which one would you go with? I would go with the PlayStation one because I already have half the unit mm-hmm. and it would pair well. The MetaQuest, I'm not too sure how it would work. I'm sure it would probably still pair it with my PlayStation. But, dude, that's... I mean, you did say money is not an option, but it's $1,000. And also, I don't know how I feel about supporting Meta anymore. I feel like Facebook is dead. And, yeah. you know, that company just can... Yeah, it could stay over there as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I feel the same way, man, which is kind of the disappointing part of, <laughs> you know, the corporate ownership of that. Yeah. But back to the VR headset, dude, I can see myself in here just lost in the VR world while I'm in my the confines of my small room. 
So, yeah, I think someday we'll be able to check it out, but I think that the cost is just a little bit too much. It's the price point right is now. crazy, and as bad as I want that headset too, they're advertising 4K HDR visuals, which you know PS5 wouldn't be the first time the PS5 does that and doesn't meet up to that expectation. Hey man, 8K is on the PS5 box. I just want to remind you. <laughs> 8K. It says 8K on what, the box. What does that even mean, bro? <laughs> I don't know, but it's on the box, man. <laughs> That's how much money that PlayStation promises to take from you with that one console. 8K. <laughs> well, Brandon, would you like to end it up or would you like to talk about a video game? Take a break and talk about a video game or we can end it up. This is actually, you know, before we did say we were going to talk about a video game but this has been you know about as long as a normal episode would you like to end it up i'm cool either way i think we should just save those games and just end it up right here i think we got some good topics here i talked think so about some well. good stuff so you'll have to hear our next episode where we'll talk about a video game <laughs> tune into episode 72 divisible by a lot of numbers 72. 11 is one of them. Is 72 divisible? I don't think 72 is divisible by 11. That's... <laughs> <laughs> I had you for a second. But... <laughs> you did. I was like, wait, hold up. How many times does it go into it? But yeah, that's, it's going to be a lucky episode. 72. Well, thank you so much for joining us on this journey that we've been on this episode. In episode 71, we really appreciate it. You know, this couldn't happen without your support. So thank you so much. I've seen some an increase of listeners on YouTube, so if you're watching on YouTube, thank you so much. You know, it would help if you gave us a like or if you left a comment. What do you think? Do you want to see a new dedicated handheld from Sony? Do you want to see one from Nintendo? What do you think? That would really help us out if you leave a comment, like it, or hey, you could even rate us and review us. If you're on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, that would help us out. But the best way to support us is just to tell a friend that you think would like it. Yep. Yep. Tell a friend. Share our podcast. You know, definitely find us on Patreon. That's a great way to support us. Like, comment, subscribe. Spotify. Run it up. Just play our <laughs> podcast while you're sleeping. <laughs> yeah, turn the volume all the way down. Or turn it up. You know, if you like our voices. Yeah, just just listen to it 24-7. <laughs> oh man all right well let's end it up thank you so much for joining me brandon i had a great time today likewise it was a great episode well thank you for joining us however long you've been listening we really appreciate it and if you made it to the end you're a true sticky buttons podcast fan so thank you we really appreciate it shout out to you bye